Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast in partnership with the awesome Najahi events. More about them later. Today, I'm joined by the award-winning multimedia and NFT tech artist Amrita Seti, who's based right here in Dubai. You won't be able to see this, but we're recording this conversation from her art studio, and I'm surrounded by some pretty incredible pieces of art. But there's something very special about Amrita's art. Amrita's work is unique. While she produces more traditional pieces that rely on conventional painting methods, she's best known for her digital NFT art, which is a new way to sell digital art and music. NFTs are a one-of-a-kind digital asset that can be bought and sold, but I'm going to leave Amrita to explain exactly what that means. But to give you a high-level idea, Amrita pioneered voice note art, an idea for which she holds the intellectual property rights. The idea is to take a word, the name of a subject of the work, for example, and then use the sound waves that that name produces when spoken out loud to produce a picture. In her own words, her art reflects an international diversity and combines the sweetness of tradition and storytelling with the energy and technology of the modern world. But what I love about her story is that Amrita worked in senior positions for 15 years at HSBC, Barclays and Zurich. So that's a completely different world. But within months of giving up her financial services career, she won the Outstanding Artist Award at the World Art Dubai 2019 and was asked to produce live activations and installations for a string of international shows. Since then, she's created voice note art portraits for a range of clients, including celebrities and world leaders such as Dubai's ruler, Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. So let's dive in and hear more about art of the future from the woman leading the charge. Amrita, thank you so much for coming to join us on the podcast today. This is one of my first episodes where I'm actually out of the studio and actually spending some time with real human beings. Very good. Well, you see, the pandemic's almost over and at least in Dubai, everybody's out and about. Isn't it funny how we're doing face-to-face stuff, but yet today's subject is all about something digital. <laughs> yeah, that's actually quite funny. Flipped I quite it like it. Now, the world of art is been explored many times and it's all open to people's independent adjudication I would suggest but digital art has become something of a talking point over recent months I think that still most people have no idea what it is yeah um, I think that when we, we we bandy around things you know in the whole in the whole crypto world anyway most people don't understand what blockchain is most people don't really understand what cryptocurrencies are and they don't know, you know, whether it's a, a, a big brand like a, a Bitcoin or it's a, it's a Shibu or a pancake swap. People are like, what, the, what on earth is that? What the NA, yeah. And yet now something new has come along, which yeah. is a non-fungible token, the NFT. And people are like, come on, enough, you know, I can't keep up with all of this. But hopefully today you're going to give us some insight and we can understand a bit more detail what an NFT is, how it works, and how you as an artist have been able to use this medium from a commercial point of view, but also to be more creative, I suppose, as well. Does that make sense? 100%. Um, I think also, you know, for me, I'm, I'm very kind of, I come from that understanding that these terms can be very daunting and not easy to understand because you know I come for what I call from the physical world and I've now moved into the virtual world or the digital world and there's a lot of people who are still within this kind of physical realm who have yet to kind of fully I would say understand but I think this is really where the future is right so because I come from that physical world 
Um, and I think also because of my banking background, I have the ability to, to kind of, well, try to have the ability to explain it to people in a way that they can understand. So when, when we talk about, you know, everything in our lives have gone digital, right? Um, everything, even to our newspapers, um, everything, even books, all the stuff that, you know, traditionally we always thought, no, but I need to hold physically something. Like even now after the pandemic, you don't have a menu at, at hardly at the restaurants anymore. It's a QR code. So there's been a shift in paradigm of this concept of I need to hold and touch and feel something to feel that I own it or I can have access to it. And the first one is really, uh, the best example for me is really around money. So, you know, if you go back in the ages and you say to somebody, um, you know, that money that you have, if you go to Robin Hood and say, you know, I'm going to take those gold coins off you, those ones that are your survival, and I'm going to put them very far away, you can't see them, but just know that you own them. And he would at that time would have gone, forget it. I mean, even, you know, going back 10, 20 years, it's this concept of like digital money was a hard one for people to get their mind around. What I find very interesting is that we've made that, that shift with so many things. And yet when it comes to art, people are still like, no, but I need to physically touch and feel my art for me to feel that I own it and for me to feel that there's value in it. So what I would say is that um, digital art is, is exactly that, right? So, um, and I think that uh, for me, the term non-fungible token, if I'm honest with you, I never thought it would actually take off. Who on earth came out with non-fungible token? I mean, what kind of a term is that? Why did they have to come out with something so complicated? Why couldn't it be something more simple? And I think that you were completely right. I mean, I think the, re the reality is that is really the technical term because it's, you know, fungible, a fungible, to understand what a non-fungible token is, you have to understand what a fungible token is. So a but fungible token... you also have to token, understand what fungible means. <laughs> I've never heard the word. Fungible. And you know, exactly. And to be fair, like going back to saying who created it, it's all the people from the tech world who have created these terminologies. And yet what was kind of needed was a really good marketing person in between <laughs> to kind of say, look, you know, I understand that it's an NFT. I mean, like, for example, a car, you're not going to say that a car is an automated and go into the details of it. You're just going to call it a car. Right. And I think this is also the problem is, is that with NFTs, because they've been given such a technical term, people now feel that they need to understand the technicalities of it mm -hmm. to really get into it. And it's the same with blockchain. People feel they need to understand how blockchain works in every form of its ability, like you're a technical expert, for you to get into blockchain. But as I said, I, I don't know anything about how a car works, but I know I drive a car. I don't know how a, an aeroplane works, but I go on an aeroplane. And I th or even like my computer on my phone. I don't know all of the technology, but I use it. And I think this is also where I find this weird thing has happened within this kind of the crypto space is that every layman is expecting or expecting themselves to understand all the technology behind it before they can use it. And I think that has become a marketing conversation. I, th I think you're right. But I think as well, people, you know, we talk about cryptos and, and the blockchain and NFTs as an investment asset class now, you know, an unusual one, but we talk, it, talk about it as an asset class and people are scared of it. Mm. However, most people don't understand how the stock market works. 
and they invest in. Most people couldn't really describe how a mutual fund works and they probably couldn't describe how an option, a warrant, a swap or a derivative works either. And to be honest with you, most people in financial services can't even tell you what NASDAQ stands for. So, you know, exactly. there's a lot of people that, that, that invest their money in things they don't understand. Yeah. And it, it maybe, maybe because it's just so new that with anything that's new, there's just fear, isn't there? You yeah. know, just like the internet, there was fear around that at the beginning. Yeah. When new stuff comes along, there's some people that go, oh, this is exciting, let's get into it. And then you've got the masses going, hmm... What's yes. the catch? What's going on? Rather than being optimistic and curious. Absolutely. And in the crypto world, you call it FUD. So fear, uncertainty and doubt. Um, and I think this is it. It's just that there's a couple of layers to that. So the first one is all of this has created a new language, right? So even like FUD, shilling, all of, you know, pull the rug. The crypto world or the blockchain world has actually got a new language. So people have to now learn that language. But number two as you rightly said before, people didn't understock market or... But I think in today's age, when everybody is so connected and so much, there's so much more people want to know and they've got access on the inter, uh, you know, on their fingertips. So I would even argue before back in the day when you didn't have access to this much information, our generation or our parents' generation and above, they just kind of went on the good feeling of others. Whereas I think this new generation are like, okay, I'm going to hear what you have to say, but I am also going to go to the to the thing and find out a lot more about it. So I think it's also a sign of the times that people want to know more because they have access to more information, which then makes it, you know, where people then start to focus then on the technicalities, which then complicates it further. I think at the end, it will only be the dinosaurs that miss out and that they always do, don't they? Because they're always in the dark ages. Okay, let's talk first of all about um, how somebody goes from working in a financial services industry and then moves into art. How did that transition take place? You know, they, they talk a lot about when people get old and they're in the old people's home and they have a life of regret and they're like, I wish I should have I lived a life that was more true to who I am. Did you just have that moment much earlier? Yes, yeah. that's the best way to put it. So, you know, after working, you know, in some of the world's largest financial organizations for a very long time, I was a corporate and I felt that I just needed to go, uh, first of all, from the corporate world to a more of an entrepreneurial world. So I think that's a familiar feeling with a lot of people within the corporate world, always like this burning desire to, to, to be an entrepreneur, which you talk a lot about within in your other podcasts of like, you know, how do you make that shift and that kind of, the fear that you're walking away from like a stable salary to go into an entrepreneurial world. So I was, that was what was first calling me, if I was honest. Then when I had that time to kind of figure out and understand where I was going, then my voice came. And I think that's why, you know, then I created Voice No Art. And, and I think that was something that really, I, I'm, not everybody has it. And I, I'm very, very grateful and lucky to have felt that I, I, that I kind of tuned into the universe enough to feel and hear my own voice so that I was being able to be authentic to myself and go back to a creative side that I had really kind of quashed, I would say, in my teen, teen years and early 20s. Mm. And I think I'm just really grateful that I was able to re-tap into that creativity. Gosh, only, only knows if you hadn't. You, you could have been stuck into the world you were stuck in and get to that point. It's really good that you were able to do that. It, it, but it must have been a brave decision. 
I know that the, 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 you would have been led with your heart, but it must have been brave because when you know what you know for so long, to yeah. walk away from that security and that, that kind of like the, it, it's, it's subconscious behavior and experiences into something new that you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know, you, you know, you don't know what the future holds. Yeah. Were you scared? Yes, and there were a lot of naysayers, right? And so what I kind of did is that for a long time, I kept it both very separate, right? So I would be doing my art and the, my, the people that I was kind of creating my art world, I would never even tell them that I was in finance. And then to my financial clients, I would never say, that, by the way, I'm doing like this side hustle on my art side, because I thought it, it was too confusing an identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that where I also believe that careers have changed, a career mindset has changed, is that back in the day, you were like, that's what you are. You're a financial advisor, you are a doctor, you're a lawyer, whatever the case is. And it was almost too confusing for people. That's your brand identity. And I think that what I learned over time was just like, you know what? I was hiding it. I got to the point where I just started owning it and saying, yeah, I do both. Yes, it's a bit weird that I'm a financial advisor and an artist, because also from a right, right left, right, people just don't understand that. And mm -hmm. I do, there is a massive part of my personality that I can be extremely serious and focused. And then there's this massive part that I can just, like literally you cannot stop me creative. Makes you unusual. Yeah. Honestly, it does make you unusual because most people don't aren't able to facilitate both parts within their brain. So it does make you unusual. And, and whether it's the word unusual or gifted, let's say, that's a nicer word, isn't it? <laughs> Makes you a bit gifted to be able to do that. Okay, so tell me about what happens. So you, leave, you leave the corporate world and you start going into this new art world. You're thinking about entrepreneurialism, but you're thinking about art. Art has got nothing to do, for most people, with non-fungible tokens <laughs> exactly. okay it's just art and whether that's painting or pottery or sculpture you know it's creativity in a different way so how did you how did you marry the two together so i mean what happened was is that you know i when i created my voice note art what was interesting is that i actually created it digitally originally so before i even i knew about nfts all of that i created digital art so obviously, because I use quite a few tech pieces to get the shape of the sound wave, and then I actually draw it digitally. Um, and when I, but obviously back in the day before NFTs, the problem with digital art is that the minute you create a digital art piece, it, it can be reproduced like gazillion times, right? Endless, infinite amount of times. So how do you then, you know, you know, monetize that piece right so you're not just going to create a piece and then just put it out for people to enjoy you want to also you know like because i come from you know the financial world i don't mind you know a lot of artists get so scared talking about you know talking about money but actually as an artist that's your career you need to find ways of how to make money from your you career it's, your not, product, yeah. it's, it's not a bad word but in the you see what i also found very interesting is when i moved from the finance to the art world, it was almost like if you mentioned money, everyone's like, oh my God, she just talked about money. I'm like, no, that, that I don't, <laughs> that's normal, isn't it? I've worked with so many other people from, because obviously as a financial advisor, you work with so many different people in every sector, yeah. but I was finding it so weird that art is one area where people were not allowed to talk about money. Anyway, so forget the money aside, I, you know, you literally just have to be like, okay, but how do I create these pieces for people to enjoy, right? So forget that money. It's just like, how do we put it aside? So that's when I created my physical pieces. 
Um, and I wanted them to look very digital because I'd created them digitally, but I couldn't create, sell them digitally, so I wanted the physical pieces to look digital. Then I started to introduce the QR code because, it, because my thing is all based on sound and art. So let's just explain that before people get yeah. confused. So voice note art sounds a bit unusual. And before, before I search some content on you, yeah. I was like, that sounds mad. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah. So just describe simply what yes. you do. We can see some examples yeah. here, okay, with some artwork you've done. But just, just, just give a, an, an explanation so people yeah. listening as well can understand it. Perfect. So basically, <clears throat> you take, um, you know, you've heard of the sound, uh, the, the, the concept of a picture's worth a thousand words, right? Mm -hmm. So I flip it on its head and I say a word is worth a thousand pictures. So whether it's your name, whether it's a city, whether it's a concept, I first capture a word, so I say... Say, for example, what the NFT. So you're capturing the sound, sound wave. Of, yeah, sound wave. So I capture the shape and structure of the sound wave. And then each of the lines of the sound wave, I draw to match the meaning of the word. And that tells the story of what that word is through visuals, because it's that whole concept of a word is worth a thousand pictures. So even your name, Spencer, if you say your name, we'll say Spencer, and then you tell me, it'll be the other way, I interview you and you say, you know, I grew up here, this is my career, this is what I did, this is who, what makes me. And I, and I create that, that sound wave, that voice note art of you. And what I like about it, it's There's that, almost a biography going on. Exactly. It's a story. Yeah. Voice note art is all about telling stories. And it's also about using... Um, you know, art in a way that is more dynamic than what we previously have had. So traditionally, if you wanted to paint a portrait of yourself, you're like, this is me, Spencer, and I want the world to kind of feel and get the essence of me, you'll get an artist to paint a still portrait of you. But this is like a dynamic storytelling of you as a person. And that can change any minute. And you could, I could even ask 20 people and they would have different images of you. You take that away from just the realms of a person, you bring it to concepts like, you know, I did one for what the NFT or Africa blockchain or even love, happiness. And then all of a sudden we're starting to get into, um, you know, art that tells a story, but not just the past, but the future. And it's about what narrative are we starting to create for that, that concept or that person. Okay, so why create this type of art and not just leave it on a canvas like this? Why, why, not, why not do it that way? Why, why do it digitally? What's, what's the, the reason? What's the benefit? What's the purpose? I'm sure many people would like to buy these beautiful pieces of art that you have, so why not just sell them? No, I, <clears> and, and, I, and I did, but I think what I was, um, before I discovered NFTs, is I was getting, I would say, frustrated by the limitations of a 2D image. So this is where, because like now, I've had to explain the concept to you, mm -hmm. right? Um, but, you know, for, so and then what I would do is, I have a 2D image and it's gone and taken a bit of, um, I would say a process. So first I had the 2D image, then I had a QR code that played back the sound that made the artwork. And then from that sound that made the artwork, I was like, okay, that's still, but you still have to scan the QR code. Then I discovered NFTs. And the amazing thing about NFTs was that I have created a digital art that is dynamic, but if I put it onto a 2D image, it becomes stationary and I need to re-inject the dynamic story into it. 
But with NNF NFT, it takes a digital asset that could have been infinitely reproduced. Then you add, because you mine it into the blockchain, you get one unique identifiable code, which makes it unique. Then it gives it the rarity and scarcity, just like one individual mm -hmm. piece, which then meant I could then, you know, experiment creatively to see how I can tell the story without having to say anything, just from a visual animation. And that's what then is why NFTs has kind of set my art free in that sense. Okay. What's more difficult, taking a canvas and creating a piece or creating that piece digitally? You know what? It's, it's different. I wouldn't say there's any more difficult. It's no? equal. Because you see, what a lot of people don't, um, and, I, and I want to get pe to people to understand, is that digital art is never going to overtake you know, physical art. It's just the same with our watches. It's a new niche. It's a new tool, you know, brush in your toolkit. So for me, yes, creating a physical piece, I draw it and then I need to figure out how I'm going to create it, you know, put it on what canvas, all of that aspect. But then if I have a, if I create the art piece and I need to animate it, that also is a whole different technique in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, then I'm animating it. I do 2D animations, but recently I've started to get into 3D animations. And now I'm doing immersive art exhibitions with, you know, projecting onto 14 screens. Then I'm getting into VR. And all of these are all skill sets, all you have to, like just with like, you know, um, you know a pot of, like lots of paints you need to have the skills to really use those paints to create an amazing piece of art. It's the same mm -hmm. thing, you've got this kind of pot of technology. How do you use that pot of technology than to say the most amazing story creatively mm -hmm. to bring your art to life? So what, what, what you just did then is that you became an artist as you were talking to me. The artist in you came yeah. out. Okay? It was really interesting <laughs> to watch that shift. Let me, let me take you back to being an entrepreneur because yeah. this is a kind of like the beginning of the journey of coming out of the corporate world. You may have seen that I interviewed uh, Vignesh Metakovin recently Amazing. on my podcast, and he obviously purchased the most expensive piece of digital art at $69 million um, just a few months ago. When you see that, or maybe you can speak for, for most artists, mm. when an artist sees that, does that all of a sudden signal a game changer? And everyone go, holy macaroni. <laughs> what's going on here yeah is it can can you tell me what you think yeah definitely first of all you know i love metacovid and i think he's a rock star and and i do love the fact that you know he's come from you know an indian background and he's also changing the narrative and telling a new story on that but secondly the narrative that he changed the what he did by buying that piece for 69 million dollars um, with him and Beeple, who well, bought obviously from Beeple, mm -hmm. um, is that he did change the game and he did write a new narrative. He started the new narrative for digital art. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people, we are all, we're all kind of, we're all, we live in a world where we are, we decide our content. Obviously, it's, we're based on algorithm, but there's a lot of the time it's pull, you know, pull information. You needed, he needed to do something that created a holy macaroni, um, you know, point of view where everyone's like, okay, what is this? And yes, $69 million 
you know, tapping into the physical world of Christie's as well, you know, getting that there, that was the way to push information out because NFTs, the crypto market, what's been happening in the space has been happening for many years. But because this is happening in the virtual world, how do you push that information to the physical world to start to change their thing? And I think, you know, change their paradigm, change the way they think. And I think it was, I know a lot of people focus on the money, but on this, I would say you have to focus on what change they're trying to bring about or the change he was trying to bring mm -hmm. about. And, you know, for me... It's like, it's like almost, it's like, it's yeah. almost it's like starting a new market almost, isn't it? It's like until somebody buys a stock, nobody buys a stock. Until somebody buys a car, nobody buys a car. So I suppose that was him, you know, putting the, putting the, the, the flag in the ground to say, this is a real thing Completely. that you can pay for with real money. And then, you know, it's cutting the ribbon. The market's now open type yes. of thing. Is that how it seems to Completely. you? Completely. Absolutely. And if, you know, the piece that behind me is like, what the NFT is that I, I was the first NFT artist in the UAE. And I discovered it during the pandemic. So I, you know, just like everybody else, the pandemic accelerated, um, you know, our thirst for like everything digital and virtual and everything. So that's how I'd, in the pandemic, I'd said to myself, okay, obviously physical, I can't really do stuff with the physical pieces anymore. How can I, how can I tell my story differently virtually? And that's how I came across NFTs. Mm -hmm. um, and I came across NFTs because um, there's a gentleman here who has, he's the ex-CTO of the entertainer app called Jawad Ashraf and he started a marketplace. That's what NFTs, like a gallery, but they call them marketplaces. And I discovered NFTs that way um, and, um, and it's called Terra Virtua and that's where at the moment most of my stuff is there at the moment. And then what happened was is that I was the first NFT artist in the UAE and I was talking about NFTs. But I wasn't calling them NFTs back in the day because I never thought for one minute it would be a word, right? That people would even <laughs> understand. <laughs> exactly. So I was calling it digital art. And yeah. I actually did a talk at World Art Dubai last year. And the only people who were attending it were either people from the financial world who understood what blockchain was or the techie world. And so what had happened is I was I like this was October, November, December. I was being bought by the people within the NFT community. And then in March, when they sold, you know, the amount for 69 million, that's when everybody, the press, people around me turned around and said, okay, Amrita, you've been talking about NFTs. So what is an NFT? And when they were saying 69 million, people were like, what the NFT? And that's what led me to create this piece because I wanted to tell the story of what an NFT was so that people from the physical world to explain it like, like literally illustrate like it. illustrate yeah, it. Yeah. And then also to the virtual world that was like a reminder of the, um, the collectible aspect to it. Okay, so, tell me how many pieces of digital art have you created? Oh, I don't know off the top of my Roughly. head. Roughly. Like, um, I would say like, at the moment, as NFTs, about 50 or 60 NFTs. Okay, and how many have you sold? All of them. And how do you go about selling them? What's the process? So um, you do something, you mint them. So you take your digital art piece, you mint it onto the blockchain, you then find a marketplace that you want to sell it, like a gallery, 
and then you mint it and you attach it to that gallery and then people are able to go to that gallery and pay for it. Um, and then they get that unique identifiable code which they can either keep on that gallery platform or they can move to their MetaMask account which is a place where they keep all their you know, mm. blockchain, you mm -hmm. know, whether it's money or yeah. NFTs or collectibles. Okay, and when you create a piece of digital art that you turn into an NFT, how long does it take before you sell it? Is it something that's sold very quickly? Is it something that takes some time? So, you know, what I say is that um, the best way is, is it's exactly the same thing in the physical world. So like when you go as an artist, I can, can create a piece today, but it's only how do I sell it, right? Mm -hmm. So I sell it because I go to a, either I go to a gallery or I go online, but really the choice lies with me as the artist, mm -hmm. right? And do I do it just as a one of one? Mm -hmm. Do I do it as a print? <clears throat> People are getting very scared by this word NFT and digital art. And the best way I always say is just think about it just like another art piece. So as an artist, I have to say to myself, okay, I've got this art piece. When do I drop it? So this is the word drop is, is a kind of very kind of word in the crypto world. Um, so when in, in the normal world, you say, where, when am I releasing it or when I, I'm going to sell it at an exhibition? So, you know, a lot of the time, you know, as in, well, not all of artists are the same, but what I do is I create the artwork and then I decide when I want to drop it. Um, and just the same thing is making sure that I, um, I want to tell the story of that piece release it first, uh, tell that story. And then so when I drop it, people are like, okay, what's this piece all about? And then, okay. and then I'm able to sell it that way. What's but the, every artist does it differently. Sure. What's the, what's the most you've been paid for a piece of art? So, um, so the, what the NFT, I did a 3D animation. So, um, and so what I did is I took it off this page, literally, and I wanted people to go into the art and experience it because I believe that art is no longer a 2D mm -hmm. image, but it's now a 3D immersive experience. Mm -hmm. um, and that went for $102,000. $102,000, and how long yeah. did it take you to make it? I would say it took me to do the 2D and 3, I would say two to three, two to three months. Two yeah. to three months, yeah, and you got yeah. $100,000 for it. Yeah. And is it something that you, when you, and I'm not an artist, so yeah. forgive me, um, is it something that you work on for eight hours a day or is it something that you dip in and dip out of? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's very different from, you know, because obviously like, you know, going back to being an entrepreneur, right? So if you're an artist, you're just like any other small business owner or whatever, or big business owner. But, you know, you're creating your art, but you also have a lot of things you need to do. You know, you start your company, do your social media, all of that. So you have all of those kind of, I would say, admin and operational aspects to it. But also with your art, you do have it. And it's not where it gets a little bit with art is that you can't just switch it on. You know, so if I go to start drawing or start creating um, and that just is not the right moment for me, you know, then you kind of sometimes it can just you go back and forth with it. And I think that's the difference is if you need to get some operational stuff done, OK, you can get it done and just get your mind and thing. But with that is that you do have to dip in and out. So I think the whole idea is that, you know, for me, it's it's also about doing the research beforehand, because with any word, like even, for example, Africa blockchain or some of the my new collection that's coming up, you have to research and you have to think, you know, what are the key images? What are what story am I trying to tell? And if I don't know enough about that world, you know, going and finding 
um, images that really express that thing. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a process. It's, again, it's just like any other f physical artist. When they start to create a piece, you have to do a lot of the prep work, the research, play with around the different materials and then produce the artwork. Because it's so different from that world you came from, can it be frustrating? Um, yes and no. So the, the frustration, when I say no, there's no frustration because, because you are literally doing something you love. I mean, I am so grateful and honored to be in a place where it's not really work. I mean, I'm, I mean, obviously, even, okay, the operational side can be a bit like whatever, um, but, and that can be a bit frustrating, that, but that's every business owner, I would say. But getting to create, getting to have your voice told, getting to tell the stories of others, and this is what I really want to do with my work is now going forward, is how do I give voice to the voiceless, but creating a n positive narrative? Because I really believe words are so important. The words we say have such a big impact and you can say a negative word and that can impact and have and create a different energy field for you and you can create a positive word and that can create a whole new narrative. And even if there's a sad story, why focus on the negative? Don't perpetuate it. How do we create a new narrative and go forward? And I believe as an artist, my responsibility uh, is to use the platform that I have to, to really make positive narrative and positive change. So on that, there's definitely no frustration. Where I would say there has been a bit of frustration, which I feel the, the NFT world has solved for me, was when I moved from a banker to an artist before the digital world, is that the fine art world or the physical art world I would say can be very gatekeeperish to clicky, yes. Y yeah. And so for the, you know what I found was that when I went from being a banker to an artist, the traditional art world were less than I would say welcoming to somebody like me because they're like, well, you have no f fine art experience. I mean, I did go to to do a a course at the Central St. Martins in London, but I don't come from a deep fine art background, mm -hmm. right? So it was already a bit like, mm. and it was already a bit like, oh, but your work is maybe a bit like this, and this is not like that, and, and you're not telling a miserable story, and you're not saying like, you're not, you know, this is only relevant if you tell the stories of poor African women in, in Kenya and how they're just not getting out of poverty. And for me, all of that goes fundamentally against what I just said, right? And so what I found was that the minute I discovered NFTs and the crypto world is they are so, they celebrated a new style. They celebrated creating something that the world had never seen before. They celebrated this marriage of technology, art, and obviously, okay, finance, but within that, and how that is then can change people's view on things. And I think that's where, that was where my initial frustration was. And now within this NFT space, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm encouraged to create things the world has never seen before by the community because they want change, if that makes sense. Does indeed. Okay, a couple more questions before we finish. You've been able to create a form of art through the sound wave, which we haven't seen before. 
Alicia here. She's the producer and she's a spoken word poet. Amazing. And so how, how can somebody like Alicia that sits there and spends time, I'm sure she doesn't sit with a notepad doing it, yeah. I'm sure she does it on her phone nowadays, but how does she then take NFTs and incorporate that with her spoken word poetry? Let's, let's, let's do it really, really simply, okay? Okay, so really simply. Really simply. Okay, Is so that something that's possible? Absolutely. And what about if I, if I create a jingle for my podcast and I want to turn that into an NFT, can I do that too? 100%. Okay, so how do we go? So I would say, let's talk about, let's, let's take, as you said, really simple, let's take the spoken word. What is spoken word? It's sound. This physical art piece behind me, can we get sound from it? No, we can't get sound. It's mm -hmm. like, unless, not yeah, that. it's not, not from it. But obviously with an NFT, imagine now this is a screen, which is now going to be the new way of how we're going to consume art. This is a screen, now all of a sudden, the spoken word, the words come, the sound, the poetry, the sound is there. So it becomes a multi-layered sensory experience. Art is now no longer something that you can see, but you can hear. So a picture you would look at, a sculpture you would look at and you would feel for the yeah. shape, okay? So you've got two senses there. So essentially we're gonna deal with every single sense by using an NFT. Yes, and I'm sure there's even ways that we can start to incorporate smell into it, but we'll get there. And also capturing consciousness and that's all the stuff that I would love to kind of explore. But yes, as a spoken word artist, so for example, Alicia now, let's take the actual art out of it. She creates these beautiful spoken words. How does she, how does, again, let's go back to how does she normally monetize that? Maybe she would have to write a book of poetry to monetize that. Maybe she would be invited uh, to a, um, you know, an event where they'll pay her to say the spoken word. Mm -hmm. Now she can, as she can take her talent, she can take this beautiful piece of work that is going to impact people, mine it into the blockchain, create its rarity and scarcity, be able to pay her as an artist because artists do get deserve to get paid and because they create such beautiful things and that can then be enjoyed by everybody yet one person knows they own it and the artist also gets paid for it. Um, and it's these kind of intangible things where you've put a lot of effort in, you've put a lot of your heart and soul in it, but before you weren't able to do anything with it, just like your jingle in your podcast. That jingle has taken time for you to create it. You've thought about it, you've looked at sounds, you've, you've done that, you've hired maybe a sound engineer. All of that has also taken time and money. Now, all of a sudden, you have that jingle, you want that the world to enjoy it, but you also need to be rewarded it in some way whatsoever, and then that's able to do it. So there's also, you know, very, you know, NFT, and this is what I, I kind of want people to understand is that I feel that there's been, you know, NFTs are a way to unlock creativity, but to also create a safe space for people to also monetize it. And the problem that I find is that with this new conversation with NFTs, is all people are doing is concentrating on the monetizing of it. People see 69 million and they're like, oh my God, I want a piece of that. And I gotta, I gotta <laughs> cash in, right? But you know, take a step back and say, yes, what am I trying to create? And I think a lot of people think, okay, well now, or oh, 69 million, 
I'm just going to take a photo of everything and stick it as an NFT and, <laughs> and make tons of money. But it's the same thing with art. Like you can also decide what kind of an artist you want to be. Do you want to take a picture of an art and sell thousands of post postcards of it? Yeah, you'll sell it for a dollar. But okay, fine. If that's the person you want to be, that's the person you want to be. It's the same in the NFT art market mm -hmm. or in the creative space. Understand what you want to be creatively first before deciding to make money. Okay. There's the financial services, there's the art, yeah? Let's talk about valuations of stuff. Okay. okay. Now go back into the financial. We know how to value yeah. a stock. Yeah. Okay. We know how to value stuff like that. We know, we know, we know what the price of gold is. So we can give values. If somebody has an amount of money to invest, we know how much gold they can buy with that money. If an NFT becomes an asset class and people are investing in it, and look, there are many people that buy art, even expensive pieces of art for investment purposes. You know, it's very, very much a, a thing. How does someone even start to put a value on any of it? Is it literally based around who wants it the most? Or is there another way of creating some form of value? Now, I'll give you an example. Gary Vaynerchuk created a load of pieces of art, okay, NFTs, but with the NFT came tickets to events built into the token, you know, access to him in different ways that you couldn't have got before. So we brought more value into each token that yes, he was able to absolutely. create, which made some more value, some more worth within that token that somebody owned. So how do we value it now? How, how do, let's say you create a bit and I yeah. say, I'll give you $500 for it. And you're like, okay, Spence, that's great with me. 500, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I, I, I buy it from you for $500. And then I put it out there. And nobody makes me an offer, but I put it out there for $1,000. Mm. Can I sell it for $1,000? What do I do? How does it work? So there's two things I want to yeah, talk about is obviously this concept of how do you value things. And then the second thing, which is an amazing point you brought up, is around, I would say, the amazing use cases of NFTs, which Gary Vee, I think, is really successfully kind of unlocked in that sense. But the first one when it comes to value. Now, again, let's forget NFTs. Let's just go back to the traditional art market, right? So how do you, there's different levels of art even in the physical world. So, I mean, it all depends on who you are as a collector. Now, are you somebody who'll just go to Ikea and buy a print? Or you go, okay, I fancy myself, I kind of like it, but I go to a little art market and I buy a piece and I think I'm very arty and that's great. And <laughs> I'm very like chuffed that's with me. myself. I'm that guy, you know, I'm, like, I'm yeah, that yeah. guy. And, I'm, I'm just that like, guy. and you're like, I feel like I've got a piece. And you just, you know, your main aim is to have an original piece of yeah. art and you like it when they tell you the story about, about the artist and you feel like, I feel like I'm kind of getting into the connoisseur of it, but really you have no clue. But, yeah, but, it's, but at the same time, you're one step up from the <laughs> IKEA person, right? <laughs> you take me back to when I lived in Brazil in the 90s and I used to go to the art markets and I'm sure that I should have had a beret on or something. <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> like you know, and your I'm, name dropped yeah. to your friends. Oh, yes, you know, so, you know, the latest piece that I added to my collection today was, you know, so, and, you know, do, 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 do you go and do you follow that artist? Do you know who they yeah. were? Do you, have you ever heard of them ever again? Did you ever try to sell it? No, you don't, right? So you did it because it was you a bought moment. it. There was a moment. It gave you this intent feel of happiness and thing and, and really that's what sort of you know art is all about really and then you really have then the connoisseurs 
who will go to Christie's, Sotheby's, or will follow an artist and be like, right from really the day. Really study them. Really study them. And I would say that's exactly the same. So, you know, you can go in and you can see NFTs once you get around you. Once you fundamentally get around the head that yes, you don't physically touch your NFT and it's a physical and it's a digital aspect and you can own it just like you would do, a, you know, whatever the case is. But when you get around that, then you start to look at NFTs and you just think, oh, I really like the idea of that. It's in my budget. I'm, I'm an NFT collector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't you know, I've got like two NFTs in my MetaMask account. Like already it makes you sound better than the average of, I don't know what an NFT is, right? So there's different layers of it, right? So you're probably in that second part right there. And then the third one would be really then really, really engaging within the community, understanding who the artists are, understanding with artists who's creating new stuff. What is their story? What are they trying to tell? And I mean, I would just even say, even from like just my own perspective, I, my, I started selling pieces. I did limited edition of 10. That was the only first time I did a limited edition. Ever since then, I've done limited editions of one. And I started off selling them for $3,000. And now most of them, you know, twenty-five dollars to $100,000. So just within that range, okay, just for example. But... So do you have to die for them to go up in value? No, <laughs> no, I hope so. I hope not. Um, but I think this is also where, that's exactly where I feel also NFTs have gone and made things much better for the artists, that you don't need to die for all of it to go okay, up. Good. And that you can kind of, it starts to kind of give a more fluidity and kind of to, the, to, the, to the artwork. But my point really is, is, you know, understand if you really want to know who to invest in, you know, find artists today, especially when NFTs are really new, that you like, that you would like to collect, that they're talking. I mean, look at CryptoPunks. CryptoPunks were being given away for free, and now they're being sold at Christie's for $2 million, $11 million. I mean, so you see what I'm saying? So when they say it's, it is an alternative asset class, but with any alternative asset class, especially when you're taking making a tactical allocation, you need to know more in detail than you would take a strategic where you're just putting it into a bunch of funds and you don't need to watch it. So the, the same theories of investing apply, the same theories of collecting apply, um, and then also it's art. So also go with what you, you love. And lastly, what does the future hold for you? you? You've got into this space now. You can obviously see your eyes light up. It's, it's, it's yeah. your thing. It's what yeah. you do. <laughs> Is it something now that you're just going to spend your time working on your art or is it something that you'd like to maybe teach others to be able to do as well? Yeah, so I think um, to, to, to answer the first part of that, obviously, I would say, you know, going back to what you're saying about Gary Vee and, and in terms of the NFTs and the NFT space. For me, what I, what I want to always be seen, especially, is that there are so many use case scenarios of what NFTs can do. Right, and we are really at the beginning because it's all based on the Ethereum blockchain with the smart contracts. You can start to do very cool things, as, as like Gary Vee has shown that you you put it out, it's a token, but that token gives you access to tickets or further information or whatever. The same thing, just even my recent NFT uh, uh, drop that I did for Africa Blockchain. What I did was something different that um, I I released it, but I said if it hit a certain price point you know, you could actually write your story into the artwork, 
which would then create a new piece, which I would then burn the second piece. Then it hit another place when I would animate it with your voice. So what I'm also doing is I'm creating a generative piece of artwork. Again, that has not been done before, it's not being... So what I want to do is also push the boundaries within the NFT space to also create really something cool that uses the benefits of the smart contract. You know, in the future, why not? Like you take my sound wave, you there, you've got AR capability that then leads to, you know, some sort of tickets or whatever you can, the, it's in endless. And I think what I want to do is I want to be seen as a thought leader, but a thought actioner, if that makes sense to show, you know, a leader in, in what, you know, what these NFT, the capabilities and where we can really see it can go creatively. So I would say very much for me is in the future, I would like to unlock the technological creativity and break the boundaries and be a leader in that space. But then when it comes to my art, I want to tell, I want to give that voice to the voiceless and tell new narratives on stories based on not the negative word, but how you know, positive words and impacts can really almost change the consciousness and the energy of people looking at that and, and looking forward to telling those stories as they come to me. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Risa, thank you for joining us on the show today. It's been great chatting to you. No, it's been amazing talking to you and thank you so much for having me. So here we go a new form of technology. Some of you have heard of it, some of you might understand it, but most people don't. Non-fungible tokens relating to art. Amrita's at the forefront of it here with a voice note art, which she's gone through and explained today. And I think it's really interesting that we have a subject matter that's new. And what do we typically do when something's new? We shy away from it, don't we? We go, oh, that's not gonna work, that'll never happen. But invariably lots of things do, so beware. And if you don't understand that, then go back to watching the episode with Metacovin, because he was the guy that spent $69 million buying a piece of NFT art. So if you listen to the both together, you'll get great perspectives. So it's always important to mention people that you partner with and partners for the podcast are Najahi events and Najahi tribe. Now, Najahi sounds like an unusual word, and it is, but it's Arabic for my success. And Najahi have brought some of the world leading public speakers, motivational speakers, inspirational leaders across to Dubai over the course of the years, and Abu Dhabi, mind you. And Najahi brought, I don't know, people like Tony Robbins, ever heard of him? Okay, Nick Vujicic, no arms, no legs, no worries, Lisa Nichols, Prince EA, Jay Shetty, uh, Alicia Keys, and people like this. And they bring them in and they run events. And from those events, we go and we learn from these incredible people. On top of that, they launched the Najahi tribe recently, where they have a collective of the world's greatest trainers that literally you can join, become a member of, take advantage of a training from all of these different people, like real experts in their field. I've got a sneaky suspicion I might be one of them as well. But anyway, <laughs> hopefully you will go and check them out for me because you enjoy these episodes of the podcast. And remember, it's always team effort and I can't do it without the support of these people. So go check out Najahi Events, N-A-J-A-H-I events.com. If you're listening to this on iTunes, then please leave us a five-star rating. And if you're listening on any other podcast app, then show some love, follow us. Because again, quite simply, the more people that follow, the more that the algorithm understands that, which means the more that people will see it and the more that people will benefit from it. And guess what? That's the goal here, isn't it?